Thank you, everyone, for tuning into Soundscapes Talks, uh, or Talking Soundscapes, excuse me. Um, we're sitting here in Heidelberg, Germany, uh, and I'm sitting here with uh, Ion and um, Max, and um, both of them are active in the local music scene here, um, producing music, putting it up on Apple, Spotify, um, and yeah, uh, this is probably, uh, this is the second podcast where we're uh, in with three people. Um, I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to be speaking to both of you uh, and also just talking about life and music and art in general. Um, first and foremost, how are you guys? I'm good. I'm good. I'm chilling. It's like uh, weird times because like socially everything's locked down here, but coming to terms with it. So it's cool. Yeah, for me the same, I guess, like, <laughs> trying to keep, yeah, keep up with things and, yeah, just staying as good as possible during the sense. Yeah. And um, going to music, you guys work together on a few projects, right? Um, I know you sent me two singles that you guys made. Um, how How's that relationship uh, come to existence? Should I say? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it's crazy because Max Maxi lives in um, in this uh, house of music and culture in the city. So it's uh, like Palais. Yeah. Palais, exactly. Um, it's basically where um, a bunch of like the coolest shit in the city happens. So somehow, I think I was doing like a filming thing because I also film, and I was filming something over there. Ah, true, this is at the concert. Yeah, right? at the concert of uh, what was his name? Lucas Graham or Graham something, Callum uh, Graham or something. Ah, yeah, this guitar. The, the guitar, that, uh -huh. yeah, exactly. This is really cool guitars from like the US or Canada and he was doing yeah. a gig and those were the times, man. That was like, the place was packed. Yeah. It was like uh, yeah. two days notice and it got filled up and yeah, it was like such Yeah, like one of the 20 people or something. Yeah, yeah. crazy like, times. This was before Corona. Way yeah, before yeah, Corona. this was, yeah, when like was it? 2018? Like, this was the f autumn before Corona, I guess. I yeah. guess, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. So there, and then I got to know some people from the house and then they kept telling me that there's a guy in the house who's producing hip-hop, you should do something with him, you should do something with him, but it like didn't happen, didn't happen, and then finally it happened. And then when it happened, we immediately like started just working on songs, vibing. Uh, <clears throat> I think we like played together in some jam sessions and stuff just yeah. like that before, um, which is just completely live and like impromptu. And then um, eventually we started working on songs and it was it was fire, so we kept going. Yeah, and you just kept it. Yeah, yeah, very nice. And Max, um, what do you play any instrument? Um, yeah, I uh, learned to play the piano actually, and as I'm from Bavaria, I learned to play the accordion as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and then I don't know, like the classical bit of guitar playing, bit of this and that, and then yeah, at some point, uh, actually with a friend, um, we started like doing some beats, and then just home rapping for fun sometimes with friends and yeah so i just kept going with that because yeah it's like somehow super nice to have like the the balance of yeah if you're studying or working and then always having yeah you know your spot where you can work and do some creative stuff and especially when i moved to the city here then i didn't have the opportunity anymore to play the piano as at home or something and then it would be nice to just at the beginning it was really just with the laptop and with the with the keyboard of the laptop to make beats on there and it's just like although it's not much but it's still like you have the space to do something creative something nice there nice yeah damn and uh, what software are you using to produce 
Um, uh, I, uh, I still use FL Studio. Oh, nice. That's uh, hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried to learn some Ableton to Jonas, one of our flatmates, because he was very motivated for this. And we started a bit out with that. But yeah, gonna see. It, it needs some time, I guess. <laughs> Ableton's like after you get the record deal, then you use Ableton. It's like the <laughs> professional level. <laughs> Crazy. But I think like. Even, even for example, Marcel, another producer I work with, who's worked with us as well, like he he got Ableton. He's like an expert at FL Studio, but you just can't get out of FL Studio. Like it's yeah, it's the, the so thing quick is, like uh, yeah, you're so used to it. Like you want to check out the, the other. The, I I tried these days to do some stuff with Ableton, and then I had some ideas, and I I just want to do it. Like I want to put it down everything, yeah. and then I just switched to FL switch. Studio and did everything there. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's also like the learning curve that you got with any tool. Yeah, that could yeah. be really. A, uh, I never actually was able to get myself into like uh, FL Studio because uh-huh. I, it seemed very. You started uh, out with Ableton. I, I started out with Ableton, and then uh, what I really liked was there's there's these uh, the what is it that grid that goes on uh, for the drum machines mm-hmm. in uh, um, uh, FL Studios. Ah, yeah, and. Um, yeah, somehow that like attracted me, but then I was in the whole system, in the whole DAW, and then you know you you're trying to come up with an idea, and if it's not coming out, so you get yeah. clogged, yeah. and then all of a sudden you're like, "Fuck this!" <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, it doesn't matter. Like yeah. it's just like whatever you invest your energy in, and you feel like you can make good enough stuff, you can make good enough stuff. I don't know. Somebody said like you could use Audacity to make the next biggest hit, and so you know, like it doesn't matter. Very, very true. I saw um, a beat making session. The, there's those uh, 15 minute uh, beat making challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know who it was, but he sampled the track using Audacity. And I thought, oh, he's just sampling the track from Audacity. No, he starts like cutting it up all in Audacity. I'm like, Yo, how do you uh, do this? <laughs> how man. are you keeping count? Like, there's no grid. There's nothing going yeah. on. Crazy. Um, Dope. Yeah, but that's uh, but uh, if you think about it, like that's how hip hop was like. And it was 30 years ago, 40 years ago of yeah. like cutting it up that way uh, and like using a little uh, spinner on your MPC to make sure you hit that like right spots on the sample. Yeah. And it's I think that's that's like the key thing, though, like um, it's definitely worth going back to those things. Like when when I can afford a sampler or like when you can afford a sampler or whatever, I'm going to buy it for my producer friends or some shit like because um, it's just worth having fun with that because that's how it was created. And yeah. I feel like that's the closest you can get to like a real instrument, even though none of that stuff really matters. But mm. it would be fun to have to really just hit to the just, keys. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and not use a computer at all, but like layer these tracks and hit keys and turn knobs and yeah. make a beat. Have you ever gotten to, to do that? Well, we've used samplers that are like very new and they've been always hooked up to computers. Uh, yeah. So never really done the pure like sampler experience, no. Yeah. that's like the uh, J, uh, J Dilla vibe exactly yeah those guys were insane and then also to be able to visualize the music because you have to like see everything in your head before you start playing around really or at least not everything but have a really good vision of like where you want this to go with the sample um, that's true which is yeah really yeah but actually sometimes I feel like with the visual aspect it it has more of a connection for me in in a project like in an FL project. Mm. I got more like 
I know how it's gonna be look when I play. I don't know. I play something on the piano or some or record some drums in the project, and I know what it's what it's looking like. And sometimes I find it hard to to let loose of this visual context that I have and think of what the music really does in my right. brain and what what associations I got and what associations I would have if I just hear it without looking at the FL project. So that can actually be also a nice thing yeah. if you just have like a real instrument in front of you, some analog stuff, and you just, yeah. You have to visualize it in your mind. Right? Exactly, yeah, and then so you can get to the associations you get by the music and not by how the, the keys look, when the the, how the patterns look when yeah. it's expressed in Apple yeah. Studio. Yeah. That's so true, that's so true. Uh, <laughs> I actually, like, um, just last weekend, um, uh, while uh, dinner was cooking, uh, sat in front of my computer and was like, because the dinner, uh, I wanted to make a beat on my computer, uh, but like the cooking was too noisy for me to hear the sounds off my laptop speaker. So <laughs> I was like, you know what, I'm just going to hit mute and just try to go off of just straight up drawing it out. Uh -huh. And then like see and I like just picked like some go to uh, sounds that I know and just sort of like constructed a song off that and just ended up... Um, sounding all right it wasn't uh -huh. it wasn't the greatest but it was like uh it was the exact opposite approach of what uh -huh. you guys were just explaining of going fully visual yeah. and then hearing it at the end mm -hmm. that's that that's fun i'm gonna suggest that to people that sounds hell <laughs> <laughs> like how well do you know your doll like how well do you know your instrument that's like some Be beethoven shit right there yeah like, uh, yeah <laughs> Now think about it, like Beethoven was able to compose, Arrange, yeah. yeah. But he didn't have to mix beats, right? That's the thing. He didn't have to mix the levels. That's true. He had to compose and arrange. Yeah. But then if your kick is too loud, your kick is too loud. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, that's true. No, but the kick is actually always like the one that's the quietest, I mm. think, when it comes to production. That's always like the thing that I got to boost up. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it should be loud. Yeah. yeah, but um, Ion, uh, you're a wordsmith, right? Or do yeah. you also produce? No, I'm. I'm uh, like when it comes to hip hop and music, I'm like ninety five percent the wordsmith, the rapper, the writer. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I was listening to um your album, uh, good album, uh, the uh from two thousand nineteen. Don't temporary remember. play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which uh, sort of seemed like a start of like your um. You even said Genesis uh of this uh whatever journey you're on mm -hmm. um and then at the end you uh, read a poem uh your first poem or something like that it was like a ah the one from 2019 you're saying yeah the come up ah yeah, is it yeah, the come up yeah yeah that was uh kind of amateurish to be honest that was like the first album we put together but i wouldn't really call it an album because it was really really just um us exploring the idea that we could even make hip-hop music yeah imitate styles and reproduce stuff um so it was fun but that poem was something special though the poem was um uh, much more refined than the whole project i would say um and that was uh that was a poem that actually won a competition and so like it got me much more motivated to like actually call myself an artist and then make art and just do stuff um, but yeah, that was the come up. That was that was the first project that we did, and it was hella fun. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, I, like, I was actually really like captured by the that poem. It was a, it was mm. a sick poem. Um, and I do have a question, sort of like, yeah, where, 
you kept speaking about she. What was uh, what sort of is this uh, she? That that translates into the second album as well, which I really consider my first album, Temporary okay. Play. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's a really good question. The she, I don't know. I don't I don't know if I want to ruin it because there's so many implications. Like like uh, there's obviously the lover, right? Yeah. That everybody can get. That's cool. But then there's there's like the mother. And then there's the land that you're on and anything that nourishes you. Um, yeah, but then there's so much more. That's just one aspect of it. But there's so much more. As a man, um, binary opposites are lame as fuck, but let's, let's just stay within <laughs> the frame of binary opposites. The she is like the what you are not in many ways. Yeah. And there's so much to be gained from that and maybe in uniting that bridge between your identity and that identity or your representation and the symbols and the metaphors and the philosophies that dictate you and create you and the symbols and metaphors and analogies and philosophies that create her and yeah. bridging that gap is like a lot it's everything kind of wow. i i interpreted it as uh her was actually art itself yeah um that was like my interpretation uh, yeah because it sort of felt like trying to be that but then that goes to the discussion that i had uh with max before you showed up about um we we just briefly talked about how or i i said like you'll never be able to get your art perfect mm-hmm. um and it's sort of like this like you're striving for that and at least you're trying to strive for it which uh, brings it at least a little bit more present and that's yeah. sort of like how i yeah. uh interpreted that's the uh, going on like making more art i realized that perfection is a fucking bullshit it's complete nonsense because once you have certain other things for me right now that other thing is intentionality it's like a reason and a motivation and an inspiration when you have those things our perfection just comes like it is perfect when it's perfect, but it, you don't have to strive for that in the same way that you don't strive for success. You strive for, I don't know, passion, excellence, um, being happy in what you do, being satisfied with what you do. And then the success is something that should be a byproduct of that, right? Like if you're doing something well, you should be recognized and lauded and appreciated for it. Uh, but you shouldn't pursue the appreciation. You should pursue the thing you're doing. And then you get the appreciation. In the same way, perfection is like, nah, you shouldn't be obsessed with perfection. You should just be obsessed with what you're doing, how it makes you feel, what's your motivation behind it. And for me right now, it's like, um, if I'm really motivated to do something, it's because it means something to me. Not because I can make a good thing. The good is like irrelevant. It's almost like I have to do this thing. (laughs) And then you do it. And then people are like, oh, this one's really good. And you're like, ah, yeah, probably is whatever well very well said yeah um that goes down sort of the lines of uh, you you mentioned success and uh sort of like success is also very subjective yeah um, because what you described was what i would actually define as success is sort of um what you're striving for and being good at uh and uh, not necessarily being recognized for it, but uh, maybe that's like success when you're letting it be defined from the outside world yeah. is then recognition, but uh, which is also valid, like le- to each their own. Yeah. But yeah. Hmm. Uh, um, deep thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, go then. You mentioned that your second project uh, is actually like your first project. Um, where does that come from? It's exactly this thing that the second project actually had an intention to it. Like it actually had a source of inspiration and a reason beyond just making good music or trying to make good music. And and uh, in its creation process, like we completely forgot about like this whole concept. Oh, it has to be dope. It has to be banging. It has to be this. It, has. it was just like, it has to be. And then it was. And then we were like, wow, that's dope. That's really good. We mm-hmm. really like it. And, and who, who's we? Uh, that was with Marcel. Okay. So like um, the way I do music, I think it's probably always going to be collaborative. It's never going to be solo projects. I don't see much um, value in like bragging about doing something solo, um, especially because a lot of the inspiration itself comes from the relationships that make the music. So, And, and for me, hip hop is really folk. So folk music is created in a much more communal way. And I like that. So it's always going to be a we. Uh, I hate saying my music. And um, and so, yeah, that one was with Marcel. This one will be with Maxi and then working on something with Marcel again in the future this year as well. Very nice. Yeah. And um, our, there's a, I saw there's this Mercury Collective that it was sort of released under. Are you bo- both uh, part of the Mercury Collective? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I would say he is. If he would say he is, then he is. <laughs> I think so. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> It's very like loosely defined, but it's like a collective of creatives. And we till now, it's just been a platform for us to share our resources. So if somebody needs video work, if somebody needs production help, if somebody needs blah, 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 it's there looking for collaborators. Like it was really underground and really like not shared. But now now we're going to we're going to be putting it out there uh, soon. Yeah, I'm glad you noticed that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. You guys also have an uh, IG channel and everything, but like no post. I think there's no post. I just removed all the posts recently. Uh, okay, so there's something again. Yeah. Okay, so something's in the pipeline then. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, who's who's all part of the collective? It's really loosely defined, but like anybody who works with us, kind of okay. right now, we haven't. We we had a roster, then we removed the roster and now we're like restarting it so there's basically it comprises of friends of ours that are doing visual stuff so that's photo video graphics there's music production there's uh vocalists writers uh singers there is um a couple of guys doing management stuff there's a couple of people doing like creative writing as well okay and so yeah right now it's really film and music and production focused that's pretty yeah. sick. Sounds like a big roster. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 yeah. decent. We're we're making it smaller though. That's what we're doing right now. Okay. We started out too big, and we couldn't get you know too many chefs ruined the in the kitchen. Yeah. Everybody was bumping <laughs> each other. Everybody <laughs> wanted to steer the ship in a different direction. Yeah, but which was dope yeah. because it really at that point it enabled everybody to do their own thing better, which yeah. was great. But now we want to like do something as the collective soon. So for that we need a team that's more focused on the identity of the collective and not just themselves i guess but i don't know all of this is very like not set okay yeah maybe you guys uh set up like some uh (laughs) like 10 commandments for the collective (laughs) (laughs) um set sort of like a focus or vision on it. vision definitely Yeah. yeah But no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try compete with God on no commandments. It's all good. Okay, <laughs> you could you could just do. Well, I don't know. Biggie did it. Yeah. Yeah. True. 
Um, yeah, we'll see. But we we can talk about that like off the mic as well because okay. uh, we'd be down to collaborate with like other institutions or groups or collectives as well and try yeah. to build something up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's sort of like um, what really art is about is uh, collaborating a lot and uh, working with a lot of people. Um, but I I have like a a, diff- a little bit of like a more individual perspective maybe on it uh, in the sense of. Um, let's all collectively do something, but everybody's got to carry their own bag in a way. Because I've been part of like uh, different collective organizations and sometimes there's uh, people who just want to be in it to be in it. And then it's sort of, Mm -hmm. for me, it's um, disheartening to see those type of things uh, because it's like, I always see the potential in working together and then um, within uh the organization there's going to be some people who aren't really passionate or inspired uh may feel like and then um don't really contribute but that's just sort of like my uh experience with collectives uh and i i really believe um collectives can do amazing things like uh for example brock hampton yeah they're a big inspiration for me as well yeah but they really like shine individually. I get what you mean. Like each person brings out a very distinct uh, energy, but it also comes together so well because they all complement each other so well. And yeah. that's definitely uh, the idea. And I think that's because they also came together kind of organically. And I think that's the key that like the people really have to get along and have something in common. Yeah. Like in their latest album, I think it's a very spiritual turn. Yeah. And, and it's really dope because it's like all of them have experienced all sorts of crazy different shit in their lives. They have different identities, but they've all kind of come together on a, on a, like a journey to the light, which is really cool to see in such a group. They're doing it. So, um, I don't know. It's so broad because they're all so different, but they're all on a journey together, which is manifest in that album. And it's definitely how I would like to see like our collective built up. But you know, that's just for us. Like they're a role model. Cause that works in yeah. my, in the way I work. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the one thing that I noticed, like with their them, it's also something that um, I've experienced is um, with like Brockhampton. It feels like sometimes they know when they need to step out and let somebody else take yeah. take charge on this uh, on this one track because their tracks sometimes are so different because they're like interchanging with each other. Like the producer will switch up, um, and then you have these dynamic albums because they allow. Uh, or it seems like they welcome the idea of like stepping down and nobody's trying to like yeah come up it in isn't the like a um it's like they've optimized like individuals putting individuals out there like even the the definition of an individual is a bit problematic because none of us are really individuals in that what you do doesn't affect me what i do doesn't affect you we're all kind of connected but they, they're able to put forth their like individual identities and, and whatever, but they're also not able to, they're not losing from that competition because like competition breeds this thing where you push everybody to do the dopest shit, but it also can make you want to do something like, oh, let me push the other guy down. Yeah. And they've managed to not do that because I think they genuinely like each other. That's the other thing. Like I would know when um, Maxi tells me something like, oh, maybe do it like this. Instead of that, even if my ego was saying, no, I want to do it like that, I would trust him and not want to do it like that because I genuinely like the person. But if I was working with a random internet producer who I don't know 
or like some like some label put this band together uh and i don't know who these people are and then this person saying hey maybe do this like that i'll be like who 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 the fuck are you yeah why are you telling me what to do yeah. you know that's that's why you always see those pop bands then breaking up like yeah. uh, after a while <laughs> um and it's also the thing where like brockhampton doesn't restrict them from having individual careers and we also don't want to do that in our collective like we want to strengthen that actually yeah. but then every once in a while um come together and make something super dynamic and collective and like crazy as well mm. yeah uh, it's uh, it's also like uh odd future is another collective that's yeah. i think a little bit similar but they're more focused on like individual yeah which uh, is also super dope yeah, yeah. that's great yeah. and then uh, and then you have like the classic wu-tang uh clan where it's like if you're you were a wu-tang member you're wu-tang forever and uh they all got each other's backs yeah um but that's a very different like socioeconomic context as well. Yeah, that's very, true. Very very different. So, hard to compare. Like uh I, Odd Future and Brockhampton I'm far more com- comfortable comparing with us because they're like formed off the internet. There are members of them that are like privileged like us. Um even Odd Future, but like Wu-Tang, NWA, uh even like uh Top Dog these are like untouchable because they're they're formed out of stuff that's that's way tougher than anything we've oh, seen. Straight up dirt, so, yeah. <laughs> and you can hear it in their music. Like yeah. they, they're, it's like they're fighting for like their music. It's like what you want to put in your headphones before like you go play a football game or you mm. go weightlifting because they're like yeah. fighting for their life in that music. Yeah, um, it's inspiring and like when it comes to this competitiveness of like yo, know, I got I got to come up out, uh, on top. Yeah 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 do you guys uh have any inspiration sort of like uh outside of just the collectives like individual artists that uh inspire you max you go for it you go first okay. <laughs> um there's a couple like it's really hard like uh i i'm whenever somebody asks me what's your favorite something something i hate that question because like who am i <laughs> to define who is my favorite i don't know but um <laughs> but like there's many man right now um the collectives are a big part of it i'm being more and more uh, um inspired by like jay dilla and these old producers um i'm really uh, i'm listening i'm trying to teach myself about jazz i'm trying to listen to like indian music more um bollywood music but then also like more classical stuff um Kendrick Lamar obviously massive um like he is for me the ideal of like um critical acclaim and pop appeal like not losing the idea of hip hop which is that you know it's music for the people for the parties for the you know fun times getting drunk going crazy but then also uh uplifting society and not losing touch of the political social aspects of it but then also being extremely poetic and not losing any of that so he's like on a crazy level that way um no name recently really yeah. big uh inspiration for me I'm trying to listen to more female hip hop because like the ones that do make it to the like to the attention sphere are just so incredible rico nasty insane artists mm. so much energy like and and the whole like perspective even cardi b like there's perspectives coming into hip hop that have never been heard before and it's so nasty it's so raw it's so hard it's so bumping it's crazy <laughs> no name and everything she stands for like um like politically is also extremely dope and how she built her brand is really cool because um 
everything she does is for society, for uplifting anti-capitalist and really like grassroots. Yeah. And that's really important. Like hip hop, not losing its touch with like the ground. Um, what else, man? That's all that's coming to me right now. Kenny Beats is a big one. Okay. Uh, he's a producer. Um, and he's, uh, he's just fun, man. And and the way he also operates is really cool. Uh, I, I like his, uh, his like identity as much as I like his music kind of, which is really nice. Yo. Yeah. Right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm a uh, um, huge fan of No Name actually because mm. uh, she could just come. She carries that spirit I th- of Chicago with mm-hmm. her. Um, Absolutely. And uh, there's a, there's something ever since uh, like to say like Chance the Rapper came out of Chicago in like a whole another way after like the last person uh, to do it like that for Chicago was really Kanye. Yeah. Um, and then there's, uh, then, yeah, uh, I would say Chance came out and did something big and no name sort of like held on to sort of the platform that he built and really did the grassroots work for. Yeah. I think for he might have, uh, I'm, I'm really critical of Chance in recent times because I think his music has really gone to shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, <laughs> it's really, I don't know what he's doing. He's so talented. He's so... But I, I really blame it on a very, like, close-minded Christianity that he's, like, fallen victim to. This is, like, really controversial stuff. But I think that's the thing. Because when he was on Acid Rap, he was being introspective. He yeah. was being spiritual. He was talking about God. But he wasn't losing touch of his reality that he's not a perfect person of God. But yeah. he's, uh, he's, like, striving to something. And and that's that's true. That's honest. That was music that really reflected his reality. And it was so fun. It was so witty. It was banging. It was everything. And there were so many memorable moments. But now it's like I just find a hard time relating to it because he's presenting himself oftentimes as something that I'm very sure he's not. Like he's out here saying that he's like the child of God. But then he's like dissing 12 year olds on Twitter for calling him dumb or something. I don't pay attention you know? to that, but that's crazy. But yeah, it's just stuff like this. <laughs> I did not know that. Uh, actually, like when it comes to his work, um, probably like around 2018, I stopped listening exactly. to, to Chance the Rapper. It was like the social experiment. I was like, yo, dope project. Amazing. Um, and then afterwards, uh, yeah, I didn't really hear much of him, but it was probably because he went this way. Exactly. Um, I thought he was actually just more or less like, totally ghost in the scene but no no they they tried to like he had to cancel his concert because like not enough people bought tickets and stuff ouch man fell off wow (laughs) (laughs) like it was really bad it was a whole thing with like his manager and his dad and like his manager was telling him um don't put this album out it's really not good and he like really procrastinated the album finished most of the songs in like the last week before the release or something i don't know what he was doing uh, he's he's kind of loosened his grip on his social work, the stuff he was doing for Chicago yeah. as well. And then you have No Name on the other hand, who hasn't dropped a bad song ever. Um, like it just keeps getting more and more interesting, and her voice is so powerful. It's so soft but so powerful. And then she's doing so much community work. It's insane. Okay. Um, Maybe she just took over the reins. Yeah. <laughs> I hope she takes it further as well, because that's a voice we need. Okay. Yeah. Crazy. And Max, your sort of inspirations? Yeah, uh, for me, it's actually hard to name like certain artists, but if you ask me for my inspiration, I I somehow got to come back to Palais because uh, <laughs> that's basically my inspiration because, yeah, basically anytime you get into the kitchen or like the place where you usually chill all together, 
like you come in and there's usually like there's no time you can come in there's no, there's no music playing and as there's like 11 12 people living there all the time and then like all the friends chilling there and everything there's every half an hour there's completely different music completely different style and so many things you listen to there and yeah this i don't know this reflects somehow in my own consu consumption of music as i told you before like For me, it's still like every two weeks I get something else that I'm absolutely into. And then I listen to this all the time. I don't know, like the last weeks I had a phase. I I was chilling with um, with a friend and um, I got to know another dude who was doing beats and, and rapping. And he's from London and he's like doing super cool. I don't know what the style even is. I don't know. SoundCloud rap. Super cool. Yeah. And I just listened to his music. Like, I don't know. He got 10 tracks and I listened to it like for a week straight because <laughs> I love this shit. And that's always how it happens. Like somebody shows you this cool artist in the kitchen and then you keep listening to that. And then next stuff comes in and takes over somehow. And then, yeah, you have so many different people there and the styles just reflect that as well and then it's gonna be jazz in one day then next day ion comes in and <laughs> draws some some bangers and then i don't know somebody's putting some classical music again or, or some south american stuff that's also what we listen a lot yeah. i don't know folklore or what i absolutely love for example are like uh, cuban uh, pianists uh, some of them like ruben gonzalez for example it's like Amazing! I can listen to this like for hours as well. Yeah, it is like yeah. <laughs> What, what's what's mom momentarily going on in the kitchen, uh, so to say, with music? Um, uh, yesterday it was like the political uh, German rap fraction. Like <laughs> I guess, yeah. For from this part, actually, the the one I like most is like Disaster. I hear this um, like latest album a lot as well. Because, is the one you sent me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it is out. so super nice. Because he's got like, I don't know, I would call it like honest beats. Like they're super straightforward beats. Like like really heavy, but I don't know, just just really, really good beats. And then he's like super political. And he's like rapping super aggressively. Just like the way you described it before. Like it's a music you can listen to if, you, if you're trying to get yourself hyped for sports or something. But not in a stupid way, like which which is so annoying at some point in rap. But in a like very intelligent way, and he's using the platform he has to, to yeah, give a I don't know, give a message. Sounds so so boring. You hear just a lot of silence, but like yeah. yeah, he's really talking like like stuff, and you can feel the situation of people that are not having the nicest life, and you really feel it like uh, the way he's describing it, and it's so amazing because it makes you understand people and understand how people suffer uh, even in uh, in in this place and yeah yeah that's that's for for my part for <laughs> no the um I like the emphasis on sort of like you uh, you can understand uh through the music other places, and I think that's um <clears throat> what sort of fails in like the pop world so like when you turn on the radio like people who just listen to only music on the radio um they don't really get to have that experience of being able to feel like a different place or a different world or a different perspective um and i think that's sort of sometimes what's uh fail failing in uh the music world is there's too many people who listen to the radio and uh just get told to listen to these 50 tracks uh for this month and then next month comes another 50 tracks yeah mm. um and they're all constructed so they're all like bare minimum input for maximum you know being catchy 
and just like being able to be played on the radio it's very formulaic but then stuff like that that's what like real stuff even i heard a bit of uh, what's the name bizarre no disaster disaster why did i say bizarre disaster <laughs> he was playing some and i normally like don't like this um like if if that kind of music falls really easily into like being preachy or being kind of annoying because it's just one mm. dude telling the world what to do stuff but this was different this He's was just like just describing situations of yeah. people like oh yeah like how what? Fe- i got i got one song in the ear like it, it's just about describing a situation in a i don't know a setting where people live together I don't know if you could call it a, p- a poorer neighborhood or just like I don't know people not feeling that they they benefit from society as it works right now and they just have the feeling of of being kind of not all the time but at this certain situation being the lose uh, at the losing end of the society and then they're just chilling there and they he describes the anger there he describes just like small situations I don't know they're talking about I don't know about bet like sports bets and like chilling there in the basement and uh. about this fucked up situation there and uh, if as he just wants to go out and just I don't know if he's what he's saying if he wants to hit the wall or hit, hit something but like just like you can understand this anger and this frustration and it's not like that he's saying like oh we're gonna overthrow capitalism and we're gonna do and this and that but you just understand how it makes people suffer in this moment yeah, yeah the folk the people yeah. and this is a thing like in in uh in film directing and in like editing they say there's a mantra which is like show don't tell i feel like this applies mm. for a lot of art like um this exactly yeah about this as well, exactly yeah. like it, it's you you have if you respect the listener or the viewer of the art then you won't tell them what to do you will just present them with something you will show them a situation and let them create their own like interpretation and solution in art that's kind of how it functions because that allows you to make a statement without limiting yourself to that statement like with this dude by by showcasing these people and giving this experience to these people through the music i think like two things happen one thing is like when you tell you cut the emotions completely but when you show you can really make the listener feel something yeah. and then once the listener has felt something the second thing happens which is like they can sit and process their emotions and then come up with something that they should do and that that thing came from themselves it didn't come from an authority so i feel like art that does a lot of telling is more propaganda than art it's a very good point yeah huh. do we have any examples of uh, artists that are more telling us what to do mm. instead of uh I'll listen to them so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah I'm like to think yeah like recently chances album yeah. has been his his music has always has had christian undertones or tones or, or, and and sometimes has been very explicitly christian but it's before it had been much more of a show thing of like he's displaying the elements of spirituality influencing his life and his newer stuff is just like nah believe god be a good person boom damn okay like mm, what the hell let jesus bless you boom all right bro um, cool <laughs> <laughs> but we hear that also like at least that would be a somewhat mm, decent uh form of telling in comparison to i don't 
I'm trying to think if there's like any rap out there, like pop rap, mm. that's like also encouraging um, what like consumption. Yeah, something. consumption. Yeah. Like, is it also like a very like uh, like I understand the elements it has to be in hip-hop forever this braggadocious mm-hmm. uh attitude of like yo i got this i got that i got this like yeah um but uh what point is it where it becomes more consumer oriented and like now all of a sudden people are buying these products to sort of fulfill yeah. f- fulfill their insecurities or whatever they're missing in their life from themselves to sort of feel like this rapper yeah but it, i think this it's a bit it's a bit tricky because um i'm sure if you looked at the roots of where like braggadociousness came out in hip-hop it's very similar to like this mafia mentality where it wasn't always very individualistic it was always like if i'm coming up my crew is coming up it was always about like you uh, providing for your community so i would say earlier the tendency was and i'm sure there are many many rappers doing this right now even hyper pop or people who get viral who like uh, when they brag about they might brag about watches and cars and girls but then there's always like this undertone of like bringing the crew up so it's always the the brag about ma- fixing your hood buying your mama a house you know these brags that are also very materialistic come from like that that socioeconomic reality and um those brags were like you know always either like at the same level or even presented higher than having a cool watch and a car but i think now when and that was when hip hop wasn't the number one genre of the world it was still kind of underground but now i think hip hop's probably just so pop that uh you know the the conglomerate that owns gucci and prada and all these name brands um is probably paying a lot of money to these labels and like you know that that influence is coming from top down so maybe uh, a rapper who wouldn't have bragged about all of these things or maybe even doesn't want to is now either convinced to do it or is like subverted into wanting to do it because that's how the genre has created itself. Yeah. And it's, they've, they've kind of, yeah, maybe you can give, you can make a critique that it like, it's forgotten. It's like community roots and stuff like that. For sure. Like, uh, like six, nine would be an example of just absolutely. He stands for nothing of what <laughs> hip hop sh- used to represent. Obviously hip hop's going to change. But, like, the whole thing of, like, um, him being proud of being a snitch was, like, kind of the ultimate spitting on the face of everything. Because hip-hop was this thing that was bad, that was, you know, called bad. And the FBI had, like, files against rappers. And oh, yeah. it was this huge thing that, like, we're a movement fighting for, like, some kind of a voice for the oppressed. And so we don't snitch because, you know, snitching means you're pledging allegiance to the side that's oppressing you. Yeah. And he was, he, he brags about snitching, which is like kind of disrespectful to that whole thing. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't listen to uh, 6 9 Yeah. Neither do I. Neither do <laughs> but I. you know this. <laughs> I, yeah. I just know about it, but like, it, don't listen to it. Save your ears, bro. Yeah. It's, it's not. I, I only, I only heard his uh, diss track when he came out of um, uh, prison mm. uh, or jail. Uh, he had that one diss track where it was like all painted, uh, mostly because the music video was very uh obscene it looked like an entire skittles commercial oh, where yeah, there's like uh, the walls were painted and each woman had like a color uh on it um but when i heard that uh, i i i understood why he actually has that fan base that he has and like he actually has a fan base he does um bring some 
form of substance uh, or carries a little bit of that hip hop, but I think it's very morphed. Uh, yeah, from the one song that I heard, from and it's him. very selfish and individualistic. Like he represents caring for nobody but himself. So like it's all odds against me, not my my crew, not my nothing else. It's just like me. I need to win, and then I think that kind of mentality, like it's it's really contagious. Because then me sitting in my room, maybe without so many friends or something like that, or without a community to care for. I'm going to listen to him and be like, oh, yeah, man, I also feel like the whole world is against me. They try to put me in jail. They try to do all these things. They're trying to cancel me on the Internet. Oh, <laughs> man, fuck all that. I'm going to do everything for myself. <clears throat> but it's it's for me. Those aren't the beautiful things I want to appeal to in people. So, yeah, like, yeah, but definitely it's doing something. Otherwise, it wouldn't exist. Yeah. Um yeah and maybe it's uh, a mirror to sort of what we're going and going through in society because it seems like we've turned very uh individualistic and it seems like it's getting a little bit more and more um i really like the only like one thing that um i noticed oddly enough through corona times and i think corona times is also really encouraging people to become more self-centered and more individualistic um maybe because there is um these rules and regulations being put onto people uh, that people want to take more control over what they can but like uh i regularly go walking through the woods in my neighborhood and i live uh, out in the woods essentially and um, the last, uh, two months I started noticing all the fields that I used to walk across started getting fences and signs that saying, um, uh, do not enter private property. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just sort of like, that's, I would say is like, maybe what's going on, uh, mm-hmm. is that this, uh, we're becoming a little bit more individualistic, uh, um to the point where it's becoming toxic uh, and like social media look at that how much uh people want to flaunt themselves uh and present themselves yeah yeah my argument is basically that um the reason why i think individualism is bad is not because uh of any other reason except for that it makes us sadder it makes us forget that we have community we have friends and that um in caring for other people in giving a whole lot of fucks about other people you kind of uh rid yourself from uh, an unnecessary existential dread about yourself it's a really tricky kind of idea yeah. but i i i'm like i'm thinking about this now that maybe um it, this like we're, we're we're suffering a spike in like mental health issues right now and i think that has something to do with the individualism in that everybody feels like they are alone and then everybody uh, employs the full capacity of their mind to think existentially about their own existence. And our minds are not our friends. Like, it's just, that's where insecurities come from. And so if you imply, like, uh, if you, like, apply all the horsepower up here into, like, thinking about yourself, okay, it's a form of, like, self-obsession. It can manifest itself like that, that your Instagram feed is just you, 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 you all the time. But then the flip side of that is you also are hypercritical about yourself and you think deeply about anything that you think might be a small failing. And if you had community, if you had friends who had their problems and you cared about their problems and blah, 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 you just wouldn't have all that capacity to think about yourself. And in thinking about yourself, it's not like you are as bad as you think you are. You're also creating that impression of yourself that, you know, I I hate how I look. 
if you had 50 things to do that day, you might just look cross and mirror be like, oh, I don't look good today. But it wouldn't really matter. But if you have nothing else, no other responsibilities that day but to look in the mirror, then you might, you know, really start to existentially hate yourself for how you look. Yeah. It's just an idea. I don't know. Uh, uh, no, I can build on it. Like, um, it seems like a self-fulfilling prophecy. The more individualistic we go, the more individual we will be. Or uh, in the sense that uh, we get so self-consumed with ourselves and then we only start thinking about ourselves and then we're... Uh, our only hobby is like ourselves and we're not really doing anything and being part of a collective, which pushes us, uh, pushes one further away uh, from that. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking out loud about this. Um, it seems like the difficulty would be is like, how do we get back into sort of a collective minds mindset and like go into palais, palais, uh, pretty sure that's like a very collective uh, mindset or like at least sharing like you're part of a community there mm. um and but like we're when you look around everybody is sort of like living in their own houses uh and the only time you really are living with other people is when you're young and you're in a vegay yeah yeah but I, yeah when you when you say this with the spike in mental health issues i'm not sure if it is like just this general tendency towards more individualism that is causing this but rather as you said i i would also see it like i'm not you probably have to look at studies for that but from my feeling i i would just assume that it is more from from as you said from this circumstances that, that come with corona because we are on the one hand we have to to be careful and have to take a, a lot of precautions in order to not infect other people and by doing this we restrict ourselves and we are not able to to do the stuff that usually gives us balance in our lives mm -hmm. that is like doing this that we basically quit doing the uplifting stuff we usually do we don't go to mu listen to music we go to parties to to do sports and teams or whatever like all this stuff that usually gives us the balance and on the other hand we have the feeling that we have been doing this for society for the greater collective but it's not really acknowledged yeah. like yeah. so the, i i think for just for my feeling as i said I, with this mental health issues you you have to look at studies what it really is in the afterward afterwards but for me it feels like that this combination is pretty toxic yeah. as well that you are, are like lost a lot of things that gives you a positive uplift in your daily life and on the other hand it's not even acknowledged by the society that you're doing it for so a, com yeah. a collective good yeah. yeah yeah but what i was saying was like beyond corona that like we're suffering a mental health spike even before corona suicide rates and everything is like more even though we have an abundance of stuff that we need to live and wealth but, yeah, but this you is could definitely also argue that like that. yeah but also that this individualism i don't know yeah that it it could also be that you you take more time thinking about yourself you you take into consideration what you really need you you look into what you're really feeling like you yeah you just spend more time with yourself and find out whether about problems of course not with with um sui people per people that are suicidal they don't a person that's suicidal doesn't necessarily not realize it if you're having such a severe um uh, um yeah mental health issue then you're gonna re realize it but like you also have a race in like people that are starting therapy which is uh actually a good sign and could yeah. also be a 
a good side effect of this individualism that you take the time to take care of yourself and find out about those problems and also to get rid of the stigma that is good, that has mm. been associated or is still associated with mental health issues yeah yeah this is a tricky issue i've been like looking at uh, so there's a lot of comparative studies on mental health in the west and mental health not in the west africa and asia and the the whole like the issue that this is an issue that like my professor one of my professors at the uni is dealing with in his work and it's like uh, the problem with um global medicine where um western medicine especially in the field of psychiatry and psychology is looking at uh, western empirical studies on like mental health and they're drawing conclusions about how mental health is generally in the us this is posed a big problem because yeah. the black experience is so different from the white experience that kids get labeled schizophrenic as black kids um that are really not schizophrenic but like it's just the process of diagnosing schizophrenia as a process of elimination and those kids didn't fit into any of the definitions of mental disease that were like defined by the white experience yeah and so they got so there's a bunch of issues with this and so um right now the 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 thing that like my prof is dealing with you can read his stuff on global mental health like sacks william sacks that's the citation um <laughs> but it's basically his argument is that there the empirical studies show that with levels of like chemical imbalance and everything of of a kid in the west and a kid not in the west uh the kid in the west is manifesting much greater simple symptoms of mental like problems um not being mentally healthy whereas in the east those manifestations aren't showing up and so there he's making the argument that like it's not obviously there are like neurochemical reasons to this but those neurochemical reasons can never be studied without like a context to your society because ultimately these things so many factors affect these things and um and the ultimate proof for this is like you know if you could get a kid with the same mental imbalance and look that here in this other context that kid is completely fine but in this other context that kid is not completely fine so there must be an argument for the the socioeconomic philosophical like zeitgeist and volksgeist mm-hmm. that like play a role into the like this kid's experience and mental health experience and so it's just that his critique uh, is mainly on western forces of like capital and things like that and individualism that play into uh these very like non-human tendencies like what you said about um you know in corona for example we are all isolating ourselves and it's like our big contribution to a collective good but it's not being acknowledged mm-hmm. here so you don't every day you don't feel like you're your soldier doing some great thing for the society you just feel alone and maybe that's because the like the vocabulary doesn't exist here to to communicate something like that in in such a context because in in the normal situation the understanding is everybody has individual rights and individual freedoms and there isn't much talk about collective responsibility whereas in other places um in india for example like with the freedom struggle there was this big uh, stressing on this idea that yeah you have rights and freedoms that's okay but you also have dharma duty responsibility and it's like a ancient idea that that's actually the core idea that di- dictates a uh, a member of the society whereas in the west the core idea is rights and freedoms hmm. in 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 india for example or in the east or in like more communal societies it's a it's an idea of responsibility like what you owe to the people around you so there you have the vocabulary to always communicate um whatever you do has an effect on your community 
And if you do good, you're also doing good for your community. If you do bad, you're also doing bad for your community. And then something like that plays kind of um, a better role in placing us as humans in a place. And that has an effect on like your mental health and things like that. And then there's there's so much um, more like he goes into very much like specifics about how ritual healing and things like that uh, are alternative methods of dealing with somebody with severe mental illness, like, you know, bipolar disorders and all, and how those ritual healing methods actually do. There are cases of people who have come out of their um, severe schizophrenia or severe bipolar disorder. So we can't explain why it works, but we have empirical evidence that it works. Couldn't it be that um, something about self-awareness, uh, being more yeah. self-aware? Maybe, yeah. Um, bring somebody back down. Um, I'm just only speaking with my mediocre, uh, esoteric way of thinking. Yeah, but um, we're all at the same level, man. Just exploring these worlds. Yeah. But it's really complicated. Like, I'm sure, um, like, like, Corona has definitely in the recent times, like, blown this thing uh, into a much worse situation but it was a trend that was growing increasingly and like therapy for example might be a great manifestation and now increasingly like uh, the scholarly work on therapy itself is focusing on not just uh, well the the general thing of mental health is very much focused on trying to come up with a chemical explanation for everything which is kind of problematic for me like we must study that but that's not the only part like mm. that's not the whole picture but there's also work coming up especially in the realm of like therapy and psychiatry where they're looking at like social contexts and stuff like that which is which might be super good yeah wow that's that's uh, nice to hear. Yeah, <laughs> there's making steps that way. I do want to um, mention. Uh, I came across a study. Uh, um, I didn't really read the study itself, but I was listening to a podcast from uh, this uh, one woman who specialized in the last twenty years in. Uh, plastic the plastic that comes into into our environment and the plastic that we come into contact with and uh through her research she learned that um our testosterone levels have been decreasing so our hormones have been uh altered in the last uh 25 years and that's like more or less going down to the chemical level Mm -hmm. um now uh knowing that and then taking um the research that was done on um, PTSD uh, soldiers who experienced PTSD uh, from uh, physical trauma, uh, such as like an explosion and them losing an arm, uh, they also learned um, that they that that experience affected their uh, pituitary gland, the pituitary mm-hmm. gland, where testosterone is produced, and uh, that when they put testosterone, uh, they put them on testosterone medication, that they were able to um, show, show higher levels of serotonin. We're able, yeah. So, yeah. so there could be using those two studies. There could be maybe even a correlation with us getting less and less disconnected to. Uh, sort of nature and earth uh, uh, by using pr- uh, plastic. We wrap our food all up in plastic. We do mm. everything. Like right now, we could really be saying we're always touching plastic, whether it's our shoes or uh, the clothing that we wear. Yeah, um, with with this, like, uh, uh, one of the, the things I was reading up on was this, um, it was actually a talk done by Vandana Shiva, who's like a big... Uh, uh, environment activist in india and she cited this uh 
this the study by a New Zealand I think psychiatrist where um, she found basically that in all kids with depression there was a zinc deficiency and there was like very clear like very strong correlation but there was no causation like why would zinc um, and also uh, um, that like there's I'm sure they're studying that now but like uh, that, that was clear that basically zinc was uh, insufficient in kids with depression and then Vandana Shiva basically was in like was communicating with her and she is studying soil and nutrition and like the crops that grow on soils that use fertilizer so basically the soil that we all eat from now unless you buy like farm your own stuff or buy bio bio um uh, all those cr- crops had zinc deficiency as well because the oh. fertilizer kills the zinc in the soil and it doesn't uh, put the zinc in the plant so basically they they came to the conclusion that like uh, one of the big reasons for zinc deficiency uh, in such a systemic way right now and and the spike in depression and all of this if from a valid like neuro- neurochemical standpoint could be literally how we're treating our soil and then the food that we eat is causing a zinc deficiency and a, having a zinc deficiency may lead to depression and so Damn. it's a really like sinister thing and and then there's you know there, there's like uh, studies on how actually fertilizer itself is extremely unproductive and it's just something that the chemical industries are pumping out because without fertilizer BASF would have to shut down yeah. um, but uh, if you treated the soil well and used indigenous methods of like producing on soil switching crops and stuff like this and growing seasonal stuff the soil would actually be more productive than the fertilizer but it's debatable but there there's a lot of um uh, like the zinc issue for example is really a, a clear correlation that's pretty sinister yeah so we just yeah. need to be eating more zinc <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then it all gets better now <laughs> i it actually it doesn't seem like a very difficult uh, topic to solve in the sense of all we really what from what I I just heard um, we should grow good food we should grow good food we should live <laughs> in a little bit more com- communities uh, we should be more with our community yeah uh, underway and um, feel part of something feel uh, less individual I think it's a big thing and that was the whole. Um, uh, like if you really want to go back into like the the creation of the idea of the individual, it happened like during the Renaissance in the in Europe when like people started signing off on their works of art, and uh, the individual scholar became important, individual artist became important. But then that got paired up with this whole like um mechaniza- mechanization phase that came with science. So there's like this um this is like this is, like deep stuff. So this is like um. The point where uh, we started to employ humans uh, and pay them and treat them as machines was when we started, you know, you started having problems with feminism where, you know, we look at the woman as a machine that produces children. We look at a human as a machine that produces labor and we look at the soil as a resource that we can exploit because it's a resource. Uh, before this, there or there are alternate models of looking at this, where the soil is viewed as a person, yeah. the, the earth is viewed is personified because there's there has to be a balance. Like if I take all your stuff, um, we can't be friends anymore yeah. because you will die probably. 
Uh, okay. Yeah. Like if I took all your stuff away, <laughs> right? I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, what if what if I'm just uh, somebody who's like, take all my possessions? <laughs> no, like I take all the food, the water, the air away from you. Oh yeah, then yeah, like, everything. I'm fucked. You you will die, and we can't continue to have a relationship. And that's how like other systems viewed the soil, for example. Um, and so the soil had its place, and you know it produced and gave stuff, but you could never like over farm the soil because then after five years it won't be fertile anymore it's something like this understanding but then the second we mechanized everything and we looked at everything as like oh um you know like energy it's like impulse it's like force per time unit that's per second so this factory can produce these many bricks if we did these calculations yeah (laughs) yeah that's yeah the cost and that's the effectiveness that's the efficiency so like if this factory ran from nine to five five days a week we would have these many bricks and the assumption is always that you can produce infinite bricks you just need to have a good enough factory or 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 that your labor will always be willing to just hammer the thing like it's going to be doing yeah well that's where then it sort of like becomes like an ecosystem um because I'm thinking, like, uh, you can all, uh, you can s- sort of always find labor uh, in the sense of um, it, it's a little bit dark way of seeing it, but everybody has their price. Yeah, but then you come to problems. Like, this same mentality is why the, the housing crisis, the 2008, like, in economic crisis in the U.S. happened, because all the banks just assumed that people would buy houses forever. Right, they just assume <laughs> an infinite supply of like uh, mortgages. Yeah. So you built up a whole financial system based on the trustworthiness of mortgages, and and you sold less trustworthy mortgages because you assumed there would always be mortgages and houses. But then at some point, people stopped paying. There were people stopped buying houses, and then the whole thing collapsed. Yeah. Because you assumed infinity, like you assumed. Yeah. Well. Whoa. Gotta check it out. Yeah. yeah. We'll just uh, either cut it out or just keep it in there. I don't know. I like that uh, situation. You um, can edit it, make it more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <Which> I- <laughs> <laughs> like with cr- crazy audio effects. <laughs> um, that that re- it really took us uh, out of a, a good flow, but uh, yeah, we can switch it up. Yeah, yeah. for but for context, because I'm gonna definitely leave at least a knock in uh, mm-hmm. for the people to know, because then they would not know about the switch up uh but yeah for context there was this lady who was uh parked in a parking spot um uh, she was actually like pretty much on the line and she was telling me to move <laughs> and i made sure because i saw how fucked up she parked yeah. um i made sure to stay in my line so nobody can get mad at me uh and then i explained it to her and then she sort of accepted her defeat <laughs> yeah you did a, you did a good parking job man yeah. it's a five-star parking job thank you um you have to uh when you're doing this because people are gonna hate yeah that, that, that was a that was a hater that yeah. was a- <laughs> like, i always i always do this funny thing like to confuse like especially older germans they get so confused because i used to like take a lot of pictures so if i was in like a weird town like a small town taking pictures or something like so often somebody was like what are you doing here um do you have a reason to be here or something like this like because i have a camera and i'm taking pictures and then i would just be like oh i'm just doing an art project and they would be so confused they'd have like no answer <laughs> and they'd be like uh, okay <laughs> like they'd be like for what i'd be like for myself <laughs> like whoa <laughs> that's i haven't heard that before people doing art for that <laughs> what <laughs> is for like school or something no just i'm just doing a kunstprojekt yeah. 
Yes. You could you could totally like play with their souls and be like, "Hey, I'm with the police." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought you were gonna say. <laughs> because, because this is your car. <laughs> <laughs> is this your car? <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden they're shitting bricks, and then they're they, undercover. I don't think they would trust me as an undercover policeman, though. I don't look undercover enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, who knows? But. Uh, but you know, Germans. That's like also one thing, though. Like I would feel like you can actually, if any country, you can probably get away with uh, being a random person saying you're part of the police because they'll, they'll immediately like, <laughs> unless it's somebody who's like anti-establishment. Uh, the German culture is generally like, oh, they have the power. I must mm. listen to mm. the person in power, um, without really like uh, questioning the person in power. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys want more drinks? Um, uh, My throat's getting a bit dry. Talking is... I have some water. We can just split the water. Yeah, let's share another one. Yeah, we can just share water. Thank you. Oh, how is it cold? Um, Because the bus gets cold. Like, at night. Yeah. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah. Uh, no, it gets really brutally cold in here. Like I went uh, minus uh, seven degree weather in this bus mm. and uh, slept in the bus, and oh. it was uh, tormenting. Crazy. Oh. It was the same temperature inside as outside. Oh shit! Yeah. Damn, how'd you get a hold of an ambulance? Um, friend had an ambulance uh, that he turned into a um, into Wohnwagen, a mobile home. And mm. then, like, he did a tour uh, with it across Europe. And then I was like, hey, uh, can I buy it off you? Mm. And I was like, sure. Because yeah. um, I got actually, and it was funny, you mentioned earlier BSF, uh, mm. that the BSF would uh, lose uh, their business. Um, and then I, I immediately was like, no, because BSF was the one who um, actually paid for this bus. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's like some funding thing. Yeah, I was uh, sponsoring. It's like a, a corporate social responsibility, mm-hmm. like trying to make themselves look pretty nice and yeah, uh, <laughs> and make up for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, but it's like the the way I see it, it's like, hey, if they want to give it out and like yeah, if yeah, they're gonna do it, take all the thing sure. you can get, man. Yeah, um, and that's sort of like uh, yeah. So I actually don't have a bad uh, such a bad taste uh, in my mouth about no, uh, not at all. BSF. I mean, in that context, yeah. But in general, it's 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 really funny. Like the whole philanthropy and social responsibility thing was like a. Um, it's cute because like these are the institutions that create extremely fundamental problems throughout history, and in the last like fifty years, uh, they all do a little bit of corporate social responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, it's <laughs> it's lovely. We love them. Um, yeah, no, but it's it's gonna always be existing. It's uh, yeah, unless like there's some crazy wild change that goes on. But like, what what blows my mind is like um, recently, like with this gender discussion, um, mm. is now or race, um, race and gender. Those uh, two. Um, it's like the last five seven years all of a sudden these corporations give a fuck yeah so much (laughs) but they don't address the fundamental issues that's the thing for me is that uh you can't have a binary understanding of the world in all things yeah and then suddenly be like oh but we're super cool with like transsexual people yeah when you have built the world 
to destroy identities that don't conform to your systems. Mm. Yeah. And then you'd be like, oh, transgender people are cool. And then they're going to like own it and everything. Yeah. Because uh, they realize that the masses, yeah, it's, it's pretty nasty. But then it's sort of like. Um, Something on... is happening, I guess. Awareness is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you first have to become aware. Yeah. Uh, look in the mirror and then sort of see it. And then, uh, yeah, there, yeah, it's, it's like, um, it's like uh, when, when, when Nike makes like an anti-racism ad. But then they're like shoving a sneaker in your face. Oh, kids get know? shot over sneakers. They get like jumped yeah. in the states. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but that's a whole different thing. I'm talking about like yeah. the Colin Kaepernick, like, and then Nike co-opting that whole movement and being like, oh yeah, like we stand with them or something. But ultimately, they're shoving sneakers in your face that they want you to buy. Yeah. Um, and then um, is is that all bad? Maybe not. Like it's it's largely bad, but. Maybe a big corporation, even just saying stuff about like racial equality, has something good about it. That's, if it gets some people to think, it's uh, yeah, that's actually that's what I mean. That's actually very true. If it uh, gets people to think, but then but then there's things that also happen where uh, all of a sudden you have certain groups of people that get really pissed off by Nike all of yeah. a sudden uh, supporting that and then uh yeah, yeah. saying we're gonna burn all our nikes i think that was nike where they like uh, yeah i think so uh, so funny and then they were like oh we don't have shoes and then they went and bought new nikes because <laughs> <laughs> they need shoes because what they need to do uh, <laughs> they burnt their shoes no but like what if what if they didn't even own a pair of nikes and then they bought a pair of nikes only to burn it burn them, yeah. and then like what i would find even more ironic about that is like they're all of a sudden posting them burning their nikes on social media which is just them trying to signal to the world hey i belong to this identity group yeah yeah and ultimately nike just profited sales because they don't care about wasting materials the vietnamese kids are just gonna pop some more sneakers out the factory yeah so uh, yeah ah uh, that's that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, that's that's one of like the uh the nachteil um the contra the, op- the, the, the disadvantage not- disadvantage yes yeah. there you go of like this whole thing is all the like almost slave labor that goes on uh, yeah. uh in other countries um i recently saw uh because there's a, such a huge demand uh for these covid tests mm-hmm. um i came across a video our friend sent me a video of these children uh packing these covid tests in their like living room and they like look like in all fairness they looked like they were being taken care of it looked more like a, a hustler dad was like hey i got an opportunity for this family that's all uh-huh. <laughs> but like that's sort of like it was a pretty decent video but like i can imagine it's probably worse in some other cases where like uh, uh children instead of doing arts and crafts or anything exploring their own cells they're like sitting there packing these covid tests um yeah, but that's just uh, the consequence until we are able to get robots to do everything for us and artificial intelligence. As long as, I mean, as long as that still maintains that people have a decent standard of living because it could just get worse. We could just, uh, you know, industry could just say, oh, since we have machines, this section of the population is now irrelevant and we don't want to have to create resources for them. So let's just remove them could also happen uh, maybe with like a virus or something <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, it can go either way um 
No, that's uh, just me kidding around. Um, <laughs> but it's but it doesn't seem like so far fetched. Like to create yeah. something to try to uh, eliminate a portion of the population. It was already it's, ha- it's happened before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think. Um, I mean, maybe not in a virus way. I don't know about a virus way, but we've eliminated populations. We do that a lot. Uh, we're still doing it. To this day. Yeah. When <laughs> um, yeah. I mean we, like, humanity. Israel, Palestine, for example. Yeah. That's one. Or there's uh, the one out in uh, Yemen that's going on, or yeah. uh, China with their um, uh, Muslim... Uyghur port- Muslims. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy weird. Um, speaking of the Uyghur Muslim population, um, China supposedly has gotten themselves very, very involved in, like... Uh, the pension funds of at least America wouldn't surprise me if it's also in Europe, but uh, the companies that exploit the Uyghur population um, Mm. are essentially somewhat owned by American holding companies, like big uh, uh, holding companies that like supply pensions for millions and millions of Americans. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, that sort of like a strategy that they've taken on is sort of getting uh, the Western world's financial systems intertwined in their mess. So we're not interested in actually trying to like dissolve those things. Ah, I see. Yeah, but this this is a very tricky issue. It's U.S. foreign military involvement. Apparently, there's also oil in the Uyghur territory. So there's a CIA file on 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 that region, and so there's an there's a case that. Um, the 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 Chinese government is obviously not doing is not nice to these people, but uh, the mistreatment of them has been really like but exaggerated by the uh, English media, and that's like the exact same trope that they do for every regime that they want to topple. So mm. they did that for Saddam Hussein. They did that for like all of uh, Cuba. They did that for Iraq, and the common thing is like it's either against ca- uh, communism or oil. And they do the same kind of pattern. I don't know how valid that is, but we know that there is a CIA file on it. And that in 2015, they recognized that as an oil-rich territory. And Very other perspective that I was not awaiting yeah, to hear. Yeah, so it's, a, it's, it's complicated, man. Huh. Can't even get into it. <laughs> Sounds a little bit like you're pro taking out the Uyghurs. <laughs> Oh, sorry, that uh, you're a little bit pro taking out the Uyghurs. No, not at all. Um, that's that's the other uh, thing. Like joking, you don't. It's like the 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 two. Like to be anti-U.S. is not to be pro-China, and to be anti-China is not to be pro-U.S. Oh, that's the big mi- mix-up that we have just generally going on yeah. in the world, where it's like if you're not with them, you're against us. Yeah, uh, and it's not that at all. Yeah, you can be bo- against both, as you should be. <laughs> because <laughs> they're the, both oppressive regimes yeah and then what what should we be for like people people yeah to be for the Uyghurs and to be for the homeless in the US and the black people in the US and the Asians in the US and the Asians in Asia um, like it's so absurd that we're we're so comfortable like pledging allegiance to like abstract identities and like ideologies and stuff without ever thinking about the people yeah. that it's even talking about it's it's insane and like that's also the thing with like this whole internet thing is like everybody finds a little pocket of the internet where they like talk about what they think and what they think about the world but they've never gone to like a community center or like a protest or organize something or done something with people and like covid doesn't allow that but 
I hope that in the future, like the internet thing will like manifest itself as well in reality. Because it's really good that so much like discourse is happening on the internet. Everybody's talking about really complicated things, but it has to be backed up by at least like seeing what what you're talking about. Yeah. And also not being influenced by bots and everything. That's also, yeah. that's like a whole nother geopolitical warfare is the yeah. bots that like are being sent out from Russia, the US, uh, uh, China, and like just trying to fuel more separation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they do that, but that's yeah. But this was like, uh, it was really cool. This, this whole collective thing. Cause like, that's also what I feel like about collaborating in art and collaborating in music and creating collectives is like, um, it allows us to go beyond our like individual identity as an artist. I love to like be introduced to some shit that he heard that he sent me because he heard it from someone else. And then like, um, like even Marcel does this, you do this. You're very easy, easily, easily like able to listen to something and say that you like it or dislike it when it's new. And if you like it, you want to create it. And and now we're like in such a space where um, our tastes are also dictated by capitalism, right? Yeah. In that, like, people don't know how to tell if they like something new. They have to have heard the same Drake on the radio and be like, this is good music. Why is it good? I don't know. But I know all the lyrics. And then I know how to, like, vibe with it. But, um, but I, I like, this is also something that with collaboration, if you do it right, um, you get, like, so much, like things that you could have never got yourself and that's so so cool you can make something that you could have never made yourself um as a whole like idea or concept or vibe or whatever um going to the idea of um um with the music uh, is there it's, it's difficult to always say like what is good music what is bad music uh, and then going down to the idea of like um liking something and then maybe not be liked by the masses do you guys have any like some would say like guilty pleasures or like music that like <laughs> you really support but everybody else around you is like nah that that ain't it <laughs> <laughs> what do you have i i just had to think of this we were like um uh, spontaneously chilling uh, with a neighbor these days she, she had her birthday her 30th and we were playing some music on the street and somebody asked her if she had a special wish and she said like uh, blue velvet i don't know if you know the track like oh fuck i don't remember the artist but it's like a track from the i don't know 70s 80s like my parents got it on cassette and we always listened to it when we were going through holidays in the car and it's like i don't know it's a bit kitschy and mm. everything and it's like just this kind of music that you like 60s 70s music that's like super super cheesy and it's yeah. like yeah but but it, it I don't know if it catches you it catches you yeah. um, but I don't know you can I I think as there is as you say like as this I feel like a bit like what you said before that it's pretty clear what you understand with good music like I have the feeling that basically for some of my friends like basically everything I I show them that it's not the classical mainstream is considered a bit random or a bit weird and so you could. I don't know. It it's not necessarily guilty pleasure, but you always find somebody saying gonna be telling you like, "What the fuck? You actually listening to this? Like, oh my god, who's listening to Elvis Presley in twenty twenty one?" So like, you can yeah. basically find this for every, I don't know, every disc I got in my for 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 my in my record stuff. Uh, yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, but it I like, think, totally yeah. doesn't matter, right? No, no, no. Yeah. But like, if you think about it, I, I, I think I could find some of my friends telling me, like, what the fuck is ah, this for, for everything? Yeah. For, for anything, anything there, yeah. just like because it's it doesn't fit like in this Their typical own. cluster of it, mm. and you'd be like, oh, is there actually people listening to this? Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody will have their own, like, version. Like, I might have something where I go, oh, you actually listen to that? What yeah, the heck? Yeah. yeah. It's very subjective. Yeah. That's that's yeah. with taste. And, like, but I people. think the more you know, the more you understand that it is subjective, the less you will do something like that. To, like, you will say to, something. To, to judges, yeah. yeah. And, and that's sort of, like, also... Um, what i notice is like when you're around other creators or other people who just consume a lot of music or consume just different perspectives because that's what what you're really doing um they are much more open to exactly uh, exactly something new yeah and then there's something i noticed even in myself like um i can now pretty much listen to almost anything and then be able to give a much better answer about why i like it or don't like it Instead of just being lost and confused. Like, I can be like, oh, I like this element. I like that element. I like this idea. Oh, I don't like that thing that much. But I can understand why people like it. Blah, 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 blah. Whereas if you show it to someone else, they could just be like, oh, I've never heard this before. I don't like it. Yeah. But then if you took that same thing and it played on the radio every week or was on top of Spotify playlists or whatever, or blew up on TikTok, three, three weeks later, they'd be like, oh, it's my favorite song. Uh, yeah, <laughs> people who have like no backbone when it comes to music taste yeah but you can't blame them like it's yeah. always like this you know like there's always like there, there's so many memes about like oh i showed i showed you this song three weeks ago and now you're you're showing it to other people because it blew up now or like this whole feeling of like i used to listen to this band before they blew up and now everybody knows about it and it's lame. But well, it's not lame. It's fine. That's like the mm. hipster attitude of like, yeah. I found it first. Mm. Um, or like with DJs, like I'm, I'm pretty deep in like the DJ community. It's it, it sometimes gets to the point where they're actually hurting the music scene. Um, I've had DJs where like when I was doing a podcast uh, series for No Joke Radio, I had one mm. DJ who was like, no, I don't want to share my track list because I worked really hard on finding this music and he didn't want anybody else knowing what he's playing because oh, because if he lets it go then maybe it blows up or like goes spreading around um and there's that like attachment like this is mine but then um when he said that like uh, i like i got heated because i see it as like really fucked up because you're a dj your job is to find these music and share it with the world yeah um because there is an artist behind it and you want that artist to succeed right, or you right. want him to get the recognition that he deserves it's yeah. not like you finding it at a bin while you were um in romania record shopping yeah. um you put in all the work of creating that piece. You just did the very small, minute part of finding that record. But also, like, isn't the whole DJ identity attached to this thing of, like, oh, this DJ is dope because they put me on to this stuff. Like, yeah. that. So, like, the DJ is not losing anything by sharing stuff that they find. Some, 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 some do. And, like, um, yeah, I, maybe I, it's also a sign of it that he's feeling like his work is not being acknowledged appreciated the way it should be yeah, yeah. appreciated because... Apparently, he he wants to build up like an image for himself with these tracks that mm -hmm. he he found and he found special. And for me, it sounds like if you don't get the appreciation, 
then, then you get insecure or you want to yeah, protect want, it. Yeah, you want to protect it, maybe. Yeah. yeah, That's actually a very good point. You just made me sympath- uh, empathize with him or sympathize <laughs> with him. Uh, <laughs> now, now I want to go write him and be like, hey, man, I'm sorry. Yeah, but maybe doing that will like ironically make him more comfortable with sharing his work. That's like you going and saying, yeah, I see your point of view now. Yeah. And then, then he'll be like, yeah, but I see your point of view too. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it, yeah, but it's it, fine. Yeah. No, no, it's all cool and everything. Who knows? Um, definitely try that out. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe I should like formulate it when I like speak to other DJs saying, Hey, you do an amazing job of finding those tracks. Now mm-hmm. we got to help those artists get up, uh, and get known. And, mm-hmm. and maybe like present the DJ as like, um as clearly as the as the i don't know yeah that's a branding thing yeah. oof if only people gave a fuck you know yeah <laughs> to like yeah. check up and listen and click on stuff yeah uh, pe- some people do yeah some people do um, appreciate those people yeah well yeah. they're they're also the ones who are actually like i always find the ones sort of steering culture are the ones who take the extra time to look deep into it and like figure yeah. out what's going on yeah. and then like all of a sudden exploring uh some hidden music scene uh in some other country mm-hmm. um and then all of a sudden you have like a, a collective coming out of uh this happens quite often like in like electronic music where you have like all of a sudden the collective out of like denmark that like was going unnoticed for like 12 years mm-hmm. and then uh a few people discover them and then they like share it and then this collective that now can all of a sudden like actually earn a living off of their mm-hmm. music yeah no but uh it's uh, very interesting uh uh that like people always want to be the first uh first to discover mm-hmm. um because there's also something cool with it like it boosts your ego being like hey for sure yeah because uh, everybody wants to also be a trendsetter everybody wants mm-hmm. to be a leader um you see it also like in like group projects in school like there would be like somebody who'd be like no i'm gonna do this and do that and then they do mm. everything streber yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i don't know recently i've been feeling super like um detached from those things like if i can just keep making music somebody said this think about if you really love making music you want to be able to do this forever so in some ways Maybe you don't want to make your best album tomorrow. You know, maybe you want to just have your life set up in such a way where you can continue to make music. So that would be nice. Um, But then like not make your best album tomorrow so that you can make it 50 years later. So that means you can make music for 50 years Mm -hmm. and like love doing it and keep growing and like um if that's what you want and i was like yeah it's probably what i want i probably don't want to like ever like not be recording songs and writing verses and like working with people so suddenly i'm super cool with the idea that my next album won't be the best album ever like that's fine it's also like a almost like a growth mindset yeah and then you're also not getting caught up in trying to make it so perfect you just are like on to the next one yeah on to the next one exactly like the main thing is i'm blessed that i get to be able to do this and then whoa people enjoy it that's amazing i'll like maybe tailor it a bit to people's enjoyment sure because i'm like i care about what people think but like um because it's not completely selfish it's not completely like oh i'm doing this for me obviously not if i was doing it for me i wouldn't put it out that's a lie yeah. Um, 
but like it's this balance of like oh people can appreciate like the music they're liking it it's a vibe for them that validates me but then i can also make better stuff and then people can vibe even better but i think the process of putting it out is not only about it uh, not only about the feedback i i think it's also very important like that's only mm-hmm. how i feel i don't know how it is for you but well, for you uh, for me it's also like to having to to, uh, to to really have um the feeling that you just finished mm-hmm. uh, the, this process of having an idea creating it arranging it mixing it and then having it done and then really to have like a new kick to start with a with something new and it's such uh it gives you such an energy when you put away something and the only way to really put away the project is to put it out is to delete it or put it out right, <laughs> and right. you never delete a project like yeah. like i don't know i've done it like two times or so like <laughs> this really not happens and yeah, the, that's yeah. the only way basically true true i never thought of that yeah because then once it's out you can't touch it you can't play with it anymore it's done yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's like out of sight out of mind because like sometimes you like go back and like look at all your projects and you're like maybe i want to like go touch up something mm-hmm. and then you get just caught up in that and just can't move on yeah i'm also like super obsessed with that feeling of like when you know something is done that feels so cool it's like you can't even explain why it's done like you can you can change this and change that and change that and maybe make it more complicated or make it more this or that but then you just get this feeling it's never something that you think it's always like a feeling that comes and you're like all right this is done and then you're just like you can't explain it there's yeah. no reason why You know, you could like, you could like EQ this a little bit different. You could like say that word a bit different always, but then you hear the whole thing and you're like, nah, it's done. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> the worst though is when, when you're done and you put it out and then like people come and give critique on it when you like share it. Like I've had that a few times where I'm just like, I right, hear, here's the song. And then they're like, oh, yeah, they'll, they'll mention something about like the EQ. Hey, uh, your mids are just a little bit too much together. And then, and then you're like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Should have worked then, on it. Should have sent you it before I released it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, that was at least like the beginning of like when I was just, now I just don't give a fuck. Yeah. It's just like, It's out next thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'll fix the mids on the next song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that, and, and that's like the mindset that we sometimes need to get into because um, I see so many artists out there who get caught up in like a four song EP and they'll spend like a year crafting this EP. Like oh, I understand sure. uh, it's important and everything, but now you go, almost at the point of like, overthinking it yeah and yeah. overcomplicating it and and then um then i'm not surprised when they get burnt out out of that ep yeah yeah exactly yeah and then also your expectations are way too high way because too high. i think that's probably also go to going together with if you're doing it at home like with casual equipment and then you have to you do have to go to make it sound perfect perfect and then your expectations are so high you want to have it sound like some studio some perfect studio recording mix whatever and that you just can't reach it and then you yeah. as you say you spend a lot of time working in it then and then probably you're just gonna be yeah yeah it's and gonna then be super f- wack experience because it's so yeah. all your expectations of this perfect sound and you can't reach it you can't like reach it yeah yeah because yeah. you're comparing though right 
because you're comparing it to like if some yeah some if it's level. a perfectionistic yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and I, the total flip side of this was like i've been to the studio like two or three times like a proper studio i hated it why it was so like um high pressure uncomfortable situation like it wasn't it didn't feel like my studio i'm sure if i get comfortable with the studio space that won't matter but um there was so much like um there was too many possibilities i didn't feel comfortable and the pr- product was really trash i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't sing my voice didn't open up nothing happened um and then there's like the opposite situation at the jam session i think i sound the best because like there's no pressure nothing's being recorded mm. everybody's so loud and so like everything's in the moment like you're not worried about it being recorded and and ironically you sound or you feel the best and i think i sound the best like my voice is the most full and confident but then in the studio it's like you're in this one booth alone music in your headphones and then like all these equipments and all these possibilities for things to w- make your voice sound like and then also you have like latency free effects which is crazy i'm not <laughs> even used to that it should be a good thing but like uh, it was it made it harder for me somehow um so like it's just that obviously if i got comfortable and got all those things set in the studio space i'm better it'll be great but i think what's much more important is like that comfortable like whether you feel like you can make something here yeah rather than having the stuff and like the level of quality and like all of that stuff which is like mechanical <laughs> that's actually it <clears throat> a very good point and maybe that's why like if you look around like a lot of like the good music that's going on in the scene right now are actually of like low production yeah. value like people in their bedrooms just putting things together yeah. and coming out with um <clears throat> bangers uh or like just a band in a garage that's just doing something as well um there there is has to be this like comfort aspect to it like are you comfortable in your environments uh because then that's when you can sound most confident and yeah. probably are freer and less critical of yourself because you know it's a weird thing like soon as you start crit- like observing what you're doing and like in a high pressure um moment and like you make a fuck up it's so easy to slip down into that fuck up and start thinking about that and then like uh, all of a sudden your rhythm's completely off like you can't feel the groove yeah um yeah yeah i think a big thing as well is like honesty so like if your space really reflects you honestly then you're good like uh and also your content and everything like drake can't make a lo-fi hip-hop song because drake's existence is not a shitty bedroom and a shitty mic (laughs) it's like the most lavish lavish everything so his production reflects that and that's why his music is it's so lavish. Is like yeah it's so lavish it's it's minimalist but it's lavish and that's like his existence it's what his house looks like it's huge but it's so empty and spacious his life like it represents i'm not a drake fan but he makes sense because like um his life is so grand but so empty and that's what his music is about and that's what his musically sonically sounds like it's like minimalist production a very lavish like piano sample or organ sample that's like you know that sample costs 7 million like you can hear that but then the drums are like so sparse and then his performance is so chill and sparse but you can hear the quality of that mic like i can visualize his mouth um and that's him like that's that's it reflects him and it makes sense and if he deviates too much from that if he tries to make like grime Yeah. people go like what are you doing 
you know because that like why are you trying to put a uk accent on and like do grime like that's not you (laughs) i i I think that's just his uh he he started his whole career out as an actor so yeah yeah i think it's also a part of him yeah i find it it makes some sense like i find it funny and pretty also i think good that he's doing that i know he gets a lot of like uh, hate for it um but like he's pushing people to go sort of like outside of like what you are in a certain sense um but it doesn't work to become as popular i guess until he really makes it his own though right like his whole thing with like the 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 reggaeton kind of influences uh at the beginning it was like what are you doing but now it's kind of ubiquitous it's everywhere in his music and it works because he's made it his own. It's and he's probably partly also made himself a part of that reality. Yeah. Which, uh, which is why the music works as well. And the same thing I noticed, like if I'm rapping about stuff that I really don't know about, it's not gonna be good. Okay. It's like are you talking about like topics and everything yeah. or style or stuff that I haven't really felt. Like you know, I'm trying to make a song like some other song, and it, it doesn't. It doesn't work. It's it doesn't sound as good as one that really reflects me. Doesn't mean you can't do it, but I just feel like that's how I could probably differentiate, like if a song is gonna be better or not. Kind hmm. of, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, honesty, like that's one of the like the indicators I think, and it's there in like visual art and everything. I feel like something can really truly be organically viral if it's like there's something of honesty to it. And then people really like gravitate towards that because they can see it in you. They can hear it in your performance. They can see it in your brush stroke. They can hear it in your production. Whether like this is really like you. Yeah. Hmm. Honesty. It, that's uh, something that seems to actually lack a lot in art yeah, uh, nowadays because sure. a lot of people want to go do art. Uh, um, or underground hip hop, um, like uh, I deem you guys as underground hip hop, and mm. there's, there's, I'm, I'm not saying you guys are this at all, uh, but I, I know there's um, people out there that just want to do it because it's hip hop, mm. and they want to be like part of this identity, uh, or they'll, they'll start producing hip hop beats, and it may not even be their thing, mm. um, just uh, to fit in. Right, and, right, right. And then you're straying away from being honest. And who you could mm. be, yeah. It was like this thing Post Malone said. He was like, um, people should stop trying to sound like Post Malone because like Post Malone can't sound like you if he tried. Mm. Like that's the flip side. Like if you figure out your sound and you do it properly, then people will want to sound like you. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, you can never really sound like someone else. It's true. <clears throat> And so don't try, like, don't even try. Are you you guys uh, confident in the sound that you guys uh, have created or are you still working on? This EP is pretty good. I'd say like 95%, 90%, like, yeah, definitely. Yeah, some moments on there are like, I'm so happy with it. Like, really, really couldn't be better. Yeah, the rest is probably like, as I told you, I don't Mm. know. It's Experimenting. Experimenting and also that in between i yeah. already am motivated for doing new stuff and i'm feeling like okay if i had to redo this song i would do different drums now and i would to because yeah when i d- did i send you the first beat it was like in a few months ago mm-hmm. so yeah 
with the time now, like in this month, now I would do it a bit different. Like, because I want to do new sounds, sounds exactly. now, which is good. And that, that's like just what we've been talking about before. Like, with this finish, as I told you, like, the new energy is so much there for doing new stuff. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I can only agree with it. Like, super happy also with the yeah. sounds and stuff that, that came together there. And is it is it an EP that's coming up to be released or has yeah, it already yeah, been? Yeah, yeah, it's re- coming up. It should be. Should we say the date? I don't know. Um, should be like the end of this month. Okay. Basically, it has isn't, isn't set yet. We had like some copyright issues. Oh really? With the sample. Yeah. What's yeah, what sample? What uh, label? It was a jazz um, track. Like it was. I was super annoyed by the by the thing because it is a, a jazz standard basically, and it was like recorded thousands of times and um so the person that, that recorded this hadn't written this uh, track but of course it was licensed with a major label and this dude uh-huh. also it was like one of like a really big it was sunny rollins like this okay. a big jazz saxophonist and he's still alive but he doesn't have the the rights anymore it's like with a label and we couldn't like reach anybody because we were sure like if we could ask them um like if we could talk to somebody maybe we can show them the track and say like mm-hmm. hey check this out it's it's a cool track what do yeah. you think can we do this because it's not doing any harm to anybody and yeah it was so annoying in the in the overall thing because you, it was the perfect sample because it was yeah. like just the the sample and like bass drums ready beat beat the stun and it's like yeah. this is the perfect sample but yeah i think we we've we like played with it a bit and then it should work now yeah. <laughs> um, but like it's really dumb because like uh you can't even reach the label as yeah, an independent and, 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 and who broke what label uh sorry what label um warner ah good luck yeah, <laughs> yeah. so and, yeah and it's like not like who cares about the the cash if they want this like the cash from the few clicks that this is getting like they can have like all of them no, like, they, no. they're gonna ask for like a big money up front yeah it's so random yeah no, yeah yeah damn it's yeah. crazy this this something like this happened before and it's like they ask uh they ask more money for the sample than like the whole budget of an indie album I... and so you're just like damn no nah, fuck you we're gonna <laughs> alter the sound and slip it through the algorithm because uh... i have no moral obligation to you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that, that's exactly the point because yeah. I'm 100% sure that if you'd, if you'd be able to talk to the artist, then okay. he wouldn't have any obligation no. at all. Like, you'd be like, fuck yeah, it's yeah, banging. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like imagine this, like you record a track and like 50 years later, some random dudes in the country, if, I don't know, they've never seen you. They've I don't know, you never talk to these people and they just make something with your music. How incredible, incredibly nice is this? this image like and and if if the whole system was built like that then i always imagine like okay let's say i we sampled all of these people i would like keep a record of like all the stuff we sampled uh especially because like the algorithm only picks up like the big stuff but there's so many smaller stuff that you sample yeah um and then you could like let's say the album blows up or let's say your career is then set you know you could then reach out these people and like do something But now none of that is allowed. Now it's like all through this label structure that then the money you give to the label, none of it is going to the artist anyways. It's so um, somebody else is making money in the middle, like so much money. Yeah. 
It's it's just terrible with like music copyrights and everything and like who owns the masters. I find it uh, like f- for me, it's so important that the artists themselves hold the masters. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, like I can understand like if the artist leases it out to the record label so the record label can push it and then gives it back after a while. Yeah. Yeah. That's much more understandable. Um. But yeah, that's uh, it sounds brutal because like like you said, like if you just go to this guy, he's gonna be all about it. Like uh, that's what the creatives love is like. There's this great high, especially like when somebody else recognizes your music or mm-hmm. what your work, and then takes that and interprets that thing in their way, and then expresses something. That's yeah. that's and like the beauty. Especially if that something is really good. Yeah. Like. If it's like the like that's a perfect use of sample. The whole vibe of that song is so can like it makes so much sense. It works so well. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, but then, on the other hand, then it was with other samples. It was more chill. Like with the sample from this old piano, it can't complain. Yeah, can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, hopefully, like like with Palais, especially like I dream that we could like make our own samples because we have. Like all the people, we have so many instruments. Yeah, that's what he did for the soundtrack. Yeah, the exactly. There we have like an old piano there, and yeah. it's like somebody taped um, the the strings of the piano inside. It's broken and it's super old, but it has a super nice sound now. I don't know why people did this. Maybe they did some samples before us when <laughs> other people lived there that we didn't know. But we checked this out and found that it has a super nice sound, and then we just sampled it and recorded it with the the iPhone, and then just took this um, voice uh, uh, voicemail and um, put this into FL and Boom. made the beat from that. <laughs> sick. That's fucking Super sick. Super nice. Like, and that's something that uh, earlier I couldn't do at all, Like, but I would love to do because now we have Palais, we have people who are down to like do mm-hmm. stuff like yeah. this. And so like to have a whole album or something or a whole project of just like your own samples, your own compositions, that's really like, I don't know that's um it's like completing the hip-hop circle like it's putting all the compositional elements of music but not losing the sample yeah uh, which is so dope yeah that's a that's the super amazing part of hip-hop and what it actually did just to music in general it showed like hey we can we can take things and like flip it break it down and present it in a whole nother way Mm -hmm. using the old traditional elements um But it seemed like it was almost like that had to be the next step uh, yeah. in music at the time. Absolutely. Because it was like... You've I done think, everything else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's see what we can do with what we already have. Yeah. And that that was such a reflection of their reality, right? Like, imagine if Jay Dilla got like, uh, you know, came from a rich like European family and like got classical music training and stuff. Like these guys were playing intricate drum patterns on a shitty machine uh from like their minds like the rhythms and stuff and they were like swinging their like their drums like that that stuff's hard to do and they had like no training or whatever and they just like discovered it from listening to music and then so like that's also a reflection of their reality like they couldn't learn to play uh you know in an orchestra but they could then take the orchestra because they had that taste in music or like that musical understanding and then make music out of it Uh, and build upon it, yeah. Because that, yeah, that's all they could get, right? Uh, yeah, that's hip hop. Yeah, yeah, that's what you do. It's also like doing with what you got. Yeah. Uh, that's also like uh, an important thing I think a lot of uh, artists sometimes forget is like 
work with what you got and and do the most out of it because like if you have a computer you can do everything yes <laughs> like every like if again if like if like uh i don't know hit boy or jay dilla or one of these guys ha- like there's like these youtube ads like oh, if i had this plugin <laughs> no, right have you seen that <laughs> it's, going so often, yeah. it's like if i had this plugin when i was uh, starting out i'd be a millionaire by now like it's like timbaland or somebody you know uh, yeah and it's like an ad for a plugin but it's kind of true it's like uh we have all of these like stuff and then we complain about oh i don't have more stuff to make music with i'm just like bro maybe you just suck like <laughs> <laughs> or you're just insecure and just yeah. don't also uh, uh, don't see it as a challenge it's sort of like yep. it, it's like a, only if i had this i could be Then this could, yeah. and it's like no you were born with everything that you need you got to figure out how to figure out how to do it you will get more if you need it that's the other thing it's like the universe like if it if it identifies that you know there's a legitimate need for something maybe you will get it something will happen and you'll get it and then when you get it you will know you also make a little bit of like make your own luck in that sense of like you're out there you're making music with what you got and you keep doing it and you're doing it every single day eventually somebody's going to come across and then be like oh here's something for you yeah and like if you it's like a bit karmic but like it's like like uh, the fabric of the universe kind of has a wisdom if you choose to believe that it does and uh, my uncle told me he was like uh, if you figure out your path and like figure out something that's really you the universe conspires to make things work out and if you talk to people who have made it or done something good they always say something like this like oh i don't know how this happened but like you know the right people just came along in the right times and then stuff happened once i figured out what i was doing yeah and then if you uh, it's a really even if it's not true it's just something really nice to believe because it gives you such a um like a motivation to just keep going because the the universe will figure it out like stuff will happen when it needs to happen and then you will get it but i've noticed this like the bird like stuff that i want like stuff that you want are also burdens like uh, like a studio or like oh i want a successful like video business that's like okay success is cool but it's also a burden and you'll only get that when you're ready for it yeah kind of yeah or yeah you're ready to carry it yeah um, exactly yeah and that's sort of like i think that's why we get sort of put into this world and like it seems like when you're young especially like a young adult you don't really have much uh it's probably because if we are like when i was like 19 20 um and started having to like do everything somewhat myself um i was just sort of like jesus and then now imagine owning a house having children and two cars and like having to deal with all these different insurances and investing and thinking about my retirement it's almost like uh, as we sort of go into this adulthood we are given actually intentionally not much to let these burdens come on one by one yeah mm. yeah yeah and you're sheltered at first right there's at first there's other people taking your burdens like wiping your ass literally yeah and then eventually you develop to be able to take more hopefully yeah, yeah. and i i actually like really hope that like people um also sort of see like the the good in these burdens because there's actually yeah. like a, a sense of accomplishment when you get like a responsibility and you fulfill uh, the responsibility or the challenge in front of you like 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 you said when you completed a song like you feel great that it's like done it's with done. And, uh, and sometimes people will sit there and that's where pro- procrastination is like people will sit there and be like oh 
don't want to do this. I, and then it like piles up. And then like these simple small burdens actually seem way worse and compound. Um, and then all of a sudden you're like almost unable to move and do things. And then that's where like mental health comes in maybe also with like depression where it's, um, gets a little bit overwhelming with all these things. And we also live in this, in an age where we actually have so many opportunities. Mm. We can, we can so easy to get lost. Yeah. Yeah. And not realize and appreciate what you have and make the most out of it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think, uh, we'll just call that, uh, the end. You guys good with that? Yes, sir. You guys have any last words for the people listening? Nah, I'm good. I mean, you should no, try really. pineapple on pizza if you didn't already. It's kind of decent. <laughs> Open your mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you for listening in. Um, bye. Ciao. Bye-bye.